gents. What's good, people? It's Reg. It's Stone. And right now, by the time you'll be listening to this podcast, it will be officially holiday season. Trees are out. Salvation Army's out. Sales are on. Post-Turkey comatosis waved off, and now you're ready to kind of embrace the world. We're here to once again offer you our services. You know, usually you go out there, worship that white Santa, you know what I'm saying? That white God. I think you need to come home. I think you need to come home to Kwanzaa. You know, me and Stone are going to be working out, you know, mm. with the greatest of advertisers, you know what I'm saying? Why are we worshiping a white man? We're going to figure something out. We're going to have like, you know, Kwanzaa Kareem or something, you know what I'm saying? Some new kind of like, you know, entity, you know what I'm saying? To kind of go out there and market it so your kids don't get brainwashed by what's happening out there, you know what I'm saying? Trying, trying to get the, trying to teach the seeds not to worship the god of capitalism and the white man. Bro, uh, Santa Claus was invented by the Coca-Cola company in 1930. Stay woke. Mm. These are real drop, drop things. That knowledge. Drop These that knowledge. These are real things that drop people that don't knowledge. know, but they yes. also get really defensive. Yes. <laughs> Fuck your childhoods. It's all fake. You should, you should, you should definitely know by now. It was all fake. <laughs> uh, today is a very special episode of the podcast. Um, we basically a little backlogged. A lot of new music kind of came out in the last quarter or so. We've been kind of just talking about some other albums, some general music news, but, uh, this is our catch up episode where right now as we tidy up our, you know, end of the year lists, who's naughty, who's nice in the music world. We have some records that we really liked and we didn't have a chance to speak about them last couple of weeks, last couple of months, and we will speak on them now. For sure. And. I think we'll start off, which I think the the preeminent album in both our minds, Mr. Nazir Jones. For those who don't know, Nas is considered one of the greatest rappers of all time. He dropped a seminal hip-hop record, early 90s, which definitely, I won't say necessarily defined the genre, but definitely kind of... You know that it's it, it's definitely one of the greatest albums that ever released across music period, popular music. Um, since then, you know, long harried history. Um, right now, Nas is kind of in his zone, his elder zone, where you know, infamously, after the golden years, he would kind of drop albums here and there, which were kind of you know feast or famine. Some of them were good, some of them were bad. Um, recently, he started working with a producer called Hitboy, who was responsible for a lot of dope hits in the aughts. Um, and it kind of settled into a groove. Um, I believe this is the fourth record, even though it was the third King's Disease, this is the fourth record of them together. And the reason why we want to talk about it is because, you know, while, you know, you've got this producer, rapper combo that's very seasoned, Hitboy is definitely up his production for Nas. Nas, who kind of has a history of choosing terrible beats, doesn't really have an excuse anymore. And Hitboy has been giving him some very great musical backgrounds. And, you know, this one dropped and, you know, like like any other rap fan, I gave it a cursory listen, expecting to see more of the same. You know, an elder person, an elder person, wow, <laughs> A.R.P. Nas doing his <laughs> raps. <laughs> and, you know, just being comfortable, you know, talking about his businesses, talking about, you know, dating somebody, maybe a mention of the ex-wife here and there. But surprise, surprise, he came into the booth with some motherfucking heat this time. For real. Yeah. And, no. uh, yeah, yeah. No, you go, you go, you got it. I've been babbling yeah. this whole time. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I will say that, you know, look, 
Nas is, I, I wouldn't say Nas fell off, but it, it's a very, it's a hard act to follow when you drop like two classic albums, right? And, and like albums that I think are, you know, just written in the hip hop destiny. And I always feel, and I've said this on, on subsequent podcasts, like I always feel like Nas is kind of chasing that, um, you know, that high, I think, from, from the 90s. Having that said, I, I, I feel like King's Disease 3 is the true return to form of Nas. And this is somebody, you know, I, I thought the first two of the series and, you know, I thought they were decent. You know, I, I, I thought it was like, okay, cool. This is like, you know, like, like Nas, you know, Generation X rap, <laughs> 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 you know, can't be mad. Um, like, I, you know, but, but this one, he just felt hungry. He felt like he was 19 again. And and there's a hunger there that it's 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 very rare for somebody at like his level to have. And you know, we we're talking about like Jay-Z, I'm like Jay-Z doesn't have that hunger. <laughs> right? Like like, you know, I mean, I don't want to bring his name up, but you know, there you know, I I always thought that Kanye was one of the hungriest rappers of all time, you know. And he doesn't have the hunger anymore. I, I feel like there's a hunger there that Nas exhibited on this album um, that just brought me back to the classic. <laughs> I feel like an old man, good old days <laughs> of hip hop. <laughs> that real hip hop, boys. What you know about that? When America's great, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, like that's that's what really brought me into this album because that's like it, it just really felt like he had something to prove, which I thought was like, you know, hip hop is such a battle, is it, you know, it's such, it's such a battle, it's such a competition, and a lot of that is missing. I would say with mumble rap, whereas mumble rappers are very much around, you know, I'm just gonna like say some words, <laughs> walk to Poland and get that check. You know, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> the vibe. It's all about the vibe. The, a little bit of a hook, a lot of vibe. Yeah. So, and I think like this, like King's Disease Three is just kind of like, you know, here's here's my my, you know, I'm reclaiming the throne. Who's actually going to roll up on this? And I, I can't, you know, maybe Kendrick. I can't Lupe possibly, but I can't see anybody like matching that in terms of the ferocity of this album. Yeah, no, it's it's and for me, what it kind of struck me is the fact of where, and again, he's Elder Nasmo, right? So Nas can write a bar in his sleep. He's always been a very witty, smart rapper. Even during those lean years where he kind of glad him was more production and some lazy concepts, but his pen game was always sharp, it never fell off. And what's cool here is the fact of where you got different flows. Like he's he's trying different things. It's not just him going at the booth in Nas mode. You've got he's rapping over BK Drill. Like he's somebody where he wants to compete with the young dudes, and that's what's kind of fascinating here. Going back to like, and again, I hate bringing it up, but the destinies are kind of kind of tied together. Even Nas kind of mentioned like Jay Z in a kind of like you know competitive kind of fashion. What I found fascinating here is the fact of where it felt like. And going back to your main point, Nas always felt like he had an albatross on his neck for dropping Illmatic. You know, he dropped Illmatic. 
you know, we could make an argument about uh, I Am was the second record or was it? Yeah, I Am was the second record or was it? Or it was written. It was written. It was written. You know, Stomatic was another great record. Like, you know, you've got these defining records that he's been involved with. And, you know, it's hard to kind of get away from that. And I think what's kind of fascinating here is the fact of where even back then you could see him trying to go out of that, you know, trying to do a little Uchi Wally, some club hits, some experimental stuff, rapping with an accent. And what's cool here is the fact of where not only is he hungry, he's nailing it. Like, you know, like it's it's cool to see him try different flows and different flips and and not doing it because, oh, I'm trying to get a, I'm trying to so I can rap like, you know, I'm trying to get a club hit or I'm trying to trying to do something, I'm trying to rap with like Eminem or something like that. It's just him kind of playing with the genre, having fun with the genre. Like this is an album that's really much about like a love letter to hip hop. So again, I was very shocked. And like you, I listened to the first two King Diseases and I was happy. I was like, all right, cool. Now I just got some dope beats. I might be listening to the records once or twice. They'd be driving around. And I was like, all right, this is dope. You know, nothing really like, oh, I, I want to go back to this per se, but it's a vibe. This is like, 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 I think it was 30 Summers. That shit, that shit goes hard. Like that, that's an, that's a song I want to have like fucking, and I know it's like about two minutes long. Like I wish it was like five minutes with a whole bunch of guest rappers and people kind of hopping on there. It's just kind of an epic sounding ass song. And it's, and it's cool hearing somebody like at this stage in the game still loving the game, and that, and that's what's kind of cool. Going back to your Kanye like like comment, and it's like yeah, Kanye had you know up until a certain point, <laughs> he definitely was trying to kind of push things forward with his records. We may make fun of his actual rapping talents. We may point out some of his production choices on a personal level might be a little iffy, but he was always trying. Um, I guess the easy comparison would be probably, let's say, a Jay-Z or an Eminem. You know, we could easily say Eminem hasn't tried in, in probably 15 years. And then it seems that the only thing that kind of gets Jay-Z out of his malaise is when a concept hits him, which feels like every, I guess now, five, ten years. You know, if he's doing a movie soundtrack for American Gangster, he shows up. Yeah. If it's just like, you know, he has an obligation to fill, then you fulfill, then you get a Blueprint 3. If it's if he's if if, if Beyonce throws his ass out, <laughs> suitcase and all, <laughs> you get a four four. But you know, and, and, you know, and like I said, it's 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 like you know, maybe I don't know. I, it felt like the last year Electronica record because people kind of going at him for the whole Rockefeller NFL deal. You know, he was he was definitely boxing above his weight again, and that's probably because he had something to prove. He felt like people were kind of you know cutting him short because you know, you could tell he felt a little he felt a little ways about those capitalistic you know you know, capitalism kind of bars against them. So it's cool hearing somebody like a rapper who's not up against the wall, has nothing to prove, isn't trying to pay a mortgage. You know, Nas is somebody where he doesn't ever have to rap again. He's, he's got a mansion. He's got, he's got mansions in New York, you know, and then he's, he's out here fucking making it happen. So I can't, what's kind of fascinating is you look at, let's say a Nas versus a Drake where Drake, obviously, a couple of generations later, but somebody who's still decade plus in the game, decade plus being one of the most popular rappers, one of the most popular pop stars in the world. And, you know, I do like I do like uh, the 21 at Savage album. I did respect his house album, but you could tell that Fire isn't there 100% or going back to the idea of Jay-Z, the 21 Savage album just felt like he had, you know, scores to settle as opposed to him being in love with the game. And it's just nice kind of hearing somebody very, very popular, very, very seasoned, kind of still in love with the art that they make. So props to Nas. Props to Nas. Mm. Yeah. 
let's see as we go down the list uh in this case i guess maybe we'll go to salt sure yeah yeah so uh look you know that reg and i love salt um i feel like it's a high blood pressure joke also somewhere in there (laughs) (laughs) womp womp um (laughs) Now I'm like, damn, I got to check my high blood pressure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Reg. Um, <laughs> but no, so, you know, Salt, the mysterious band from the UK. We we know it's Inflow. We know it's uh, Cleo Soul. We know it's Kid Sister. It could be associated other contributors and guests. Um, somebody said, I forgot who it was. Like somebody was like, oh, I heard so-and-so. That sounds like so-and-so. It probably is, but we'll never know. <laughs> um, the the most mysterious band of all time, which it, it, it's funny because I thought that at this point they would like reveal themselves. They've been doing this now since 2019. Like we kind of know who they are, but like we thought that was going to be like a whole thing, you know, but like they're still very mysterious. And this is probably the most mysterious album drop i i think you know of their career obviously but also too like i haven't seen a a a we transfer link for an album in a zip file (laughs) in about 10 years bringing it back to the blog house era baby (laughs) house of bands bro i had to refactor like just everything like man how am i gonna play this Oh, I don't have VLC player on my on my work computer. Break <laughs> out that Winamp, it's time. You know, like I was like, oh man, like I want, like I'm driving upstate. Like, I, how can I play this in the car? Like, like today's technology does not make it easy. Um, but anyway, they dropped five albums at once, and you know I, I i think people are saying like this might be like a record in terms of a recording artist dropping so much music at you know like at the same time um and there are five albums there are five i'll say fairly you know quality albums um but also very unique i think um like the one album untitled um feels like a bunch of b-sides from some of their previous work um if you like some of their kind of like five and and seven you like those albums i think this album kind of like fits in pretty nicely in terms of like style but it's very much like a gospel like christian album you know which is like to me, you know, some people are like, oh, man, I'm turned off. I don't like gospel. Like, you know, why are they preaching about God? But, like, to me, it's probably one of the best executed, like, Christian albums I think I've heard in a long time. It's what, yeah, <laughs> you know, Kanye and, and, and Sunday Service and Donda, like, you know, tried to do. Um, and I think they also made a Christian album that didn't feel corny. You know, it's like, it, it, it felt very authentic. It felt like very much like I praise God, but I'm still out in these streets, which is like, <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it feels like, you know, it's not like something, it, it, I don't feel like it preaches down to you, you know, like, it, like I don't feel like it's something where, and I think that, that that's probably the thing with, with like a lot of Christian music, you know, it, it's really like preaching down to you. Um, I just felt like these, this was their inspiration and they kind of went for it. 
Um, and I thought it was like really, really good. Um, I'm trying to think of the one track with Lil Sims is like on repeat. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, some, you know, and somebody, a knock against Salt 2 is just like their, their stuff is a little bit unmastered. This is definitely something that felt like B sides, but they record these albums literally in two or three days. But to be honest, like, I always, you know, go back to their albums. It's, it's always quality to me. Um, and it, it's just something where I'm always just amazed at how, you know, they've been doing this now for almost, you know, four years, and they're still pulling this off, right? Like, they're yeah. still, like, <laughs> being able to create a sound and a rhythm and a vibe. And, and also, too, like, you know, again, like, they're you know, just like, putting out a prolific amount, like, a career's worth of music, <laughs> Now, like I can't even count how many albums they've dropped, and I, I, you know, some people say that you know, I know they dropped like was it uh, Air and Earth, I think, and some people were not like as excited about those albums. I can see that Eleven is also okay. Today and Tomorrow, I thought it was really interesting just because like that drummer in the pocket was in- insane on that that whole album. It's just like oh. Yeah. <laughs> drummer in the pocket which is what's crazy um, there's something about each one of their work that's just like so unique and different and I mean they've always and still will be like one of, like one of my favorite artists um, for sure you know I'm trying I'm trying right now the reason why I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out how many hours of music they've dropped in four years because it's got to be insane and I think it's going back to your point. It's all quality. Like the only thing you can kind of say is, to a certain extent, it's not as mastered to the same exact level as like a lot of overly, you know, everything's overly compressed, really loud. Everything is very trembly type stuff. But it's it's at the same time is what makes them sound warm. It's what makes those records sound like almost like like things that kind of fell out of the vault and like you know this great '70s band that was kind of forgotten by time. Um, yeah, no, for me, it's just like, it's just terrifying just how consistently great that they are and how they haven't really fallen off. And it would have been very easy for them to have fallen off. It's just something where at the end of the day, they're just kind of dropping these records, you know, at a very high level. And and, and yeah, like um, for me, I think I think Love Is, I think it's track number four on God Untitled. Like I was out in San Diego driving around, you know, high on the marijuana. And... <laughs> And then that song was on fucking loop. Like, you're going to tell me shit. And I think the issue here, or not really issue, like, I made it sound negative, but I think what made this a really good, like, Christian-leaning album is the fact of where it wasn't necessarily the same gospel tropes. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that. That's classic. That's where black music kind of comes from. But, you know, you're looking at, let's say, your Kanye West, where it's very easy to be like, all right, I'll just throw, you know... It's, you know, we had this cliche where if you're a rock band and you guys do the Grammys and you want to sound a little bigger and sound a little bit of cooler, you know, you hire a gospel choir to come out there and sing the background and sing the hooks. It's kind of like almost a cheat code. And I think what's kind of fascinating here is the fact of where they made it more like almost spiritual, like almost more like Alice Coltrane, if that makes any word sense. So that's kind of cool the way they kind of pulled it off. And, and I think that's kind of a testament to the band. And like I said, even then, the fact of where, yeah, some of them does sound like maybe something that kind of echoes of the old records, but it's kind of cool to kind of see how great that they are. Like, you know, you could tell that, you know, it, may, it might not be because they have their own style, but, 
you know, you could definitely hear like, oh, this might have sounded circa, you know, five. This might have sounded circa more like when they were doing more ESG stuff in those first earlier records. But the terrifying thing is that it's been consistently great. Like there's nothing here where it's like, oh, I don't know. You know, every everything here they, they've pulled off has not, you know, nothing's really nothing's really changed as far as the quality is concerned. It's always been extremely high. And then, yeah, I mean, that's for the most part, it's, it's just another great record. And like, you know, I can't really, it's fascinating to kind of see the way that they've kind of navigated going back to the idea of that dear mysterious band, because this is a band where I feel like, and I know they've gotten Pitchfork Best New Music. I know they had that protest. Um, This is a band that could easily kind of blow up in a certain specific kind of way. Um, I've heard their songs out there. I've heard DJs play it. I think I've even heard it at the Old Navy. So they are kind of getting plays. They are kind of, kind of getting streams. Maybe not, not on a mega pop level, but they are making noise. And I think what's kind of cool is the fact of where even though they're kind of bubbling up, they're kind of keeping things technically like low key. I know they kind of floated out the idea of kind of touring or at least playing a live show per se. We'll see if that actually happens. But it's kind of cool where it's like four years in, like, eh, maybe we'll play a show. You know, like, are we on vacation? Let's, let's, we're bored. Let's give that a try. So, yeah. So, like, at the end of the day, I think it's another great testament. I mean, for me, the Untitled God, like, that's going to basically probably make one of my, like, top 10 lists when we kind of do that whole rundown. And it's like, yeah, we're, 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 like we're fanboys. Like, and, and I think that even taking my own bias outside of that, what's kind of cool is the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, they're just making really good, dope music at a high level. So you really cannot ever be mad at that. Yeah, and, and it's crazy too. Like, like, like it, it's, you know, they, I, I'm sure touring managers have like hit them up like multiple times saying like, hey, like you gotta go on a tour. Hey, you gotta, you know, do whatever. I, I almost want, they're like the Banksy of like r and <laughs> <laughs> Whereas like I don't even want them to like do a tour. Like or if they do a tour, like it's it's like they'll have like, you know, a bunch of like, you know, five like white guys out there <laughs> and do masks, you know. <laughs> I want the tour to be a troll just because <laughs> And, and this is somebody who would love to see them live because I think their live show would be incredible. But like, I also like love the like, the idea that they're circumventing the whole like, idea of like what music and what like artists should be in in, in this new era. So I can't even be mad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, bro, that'd be hilarious. Actually, you just show up with a whole bunch of it's like Avril Lavigne on vocals. <laughs> Travis Barker because he does everything. It's, it's a Grammy show. <laughs> Dave Grohl's playing guitar. <laughs> actually, I I wouldn't even be mad. Like I almost feel like Travis might be on those drums. Actually, <laughs> he's like, oh, t- today and tomorrow. Like you never know. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, I was like, I was, you think I don't fuck up this shit too? I, I grew up playing black drummers. <laughs> I'm ready, dude. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, let's start the personal rundown. All right. So I'm going to talk about a little corner. As you can tell, me and Stone were quite excited to the return of house music. You know, we've been waiting for the return of hip house and upbeat dance music for a very long time because, to be honest with you, the world's kind of in the doldrums. Um, I want to shout out two records that came out right around the same time. It was Duckworth's new one, and Cakes the Killer. 
Duckworth has been doing kind of like upbeat R&B, almost danceable music for a minute. Very dope. Um, I believe he also does stuff behind the scenes. So even though you don't know him, you probably heard some of his songs. Um, Kicks to Killer is has basically been holding down like, I'll say the, the queer rap mantle for a minute. Um, he's just a phenomenal MC, full stop. But very early on, he, I guess you could say ballroom adjacent per se. So he was kind of his focus didn't really tend to be like over like let's say like um like house beats you know hard hitting dance tunes. Um, they both dropped the record this year. Duckworth is really more of an EP, and I think it's kind of showing that you know the Beyonces, the the Drakes, thank me later. It's kind of like you know we're kind of here for dance music. Like it's, it's kind of it now. And then I think those two records, and, and again I hate kind of you know comparing and contrasting you know artists. Because they're the same gender, they're the same fucking skin color, you know, the same sexuality. But overall, like these records serve as really good companions. If you're somebody who's not really into dance music, and you know the, the Beyonce record kind of piqued your interest, and you want to kind of dig a little deeper, you know, obviously you've got boatloads of old shit to go through. But if you want to listen to something a little new, newer, a little more recent, like both Cakes, both Duckworth, I just dropped really dope, dope, dope danceable like records. So you know, props to them. I will definitely check both of those out. And it, it's really just, it's so interesting to, um, you know, just like I, I was listening to an interview with Kei Trinata and, you know, he kind of, you know, him and probably Azalea Banks have kind of like, they started the, tw- the trend in a lot of ways um, and they opened the door. But like, you know, somebody like Kei Trinata is like, you know, he should be, have, have been producing like the Beyonce <laughs> album, yeah. you know. Um, but it's just really cool to kind of see like this, this this whole revival coming back, and you know, cool. There's Beyonce and Drake, but there, there's a lot of like other artists out there. They're they're like you know pioneering the sound. So I would definitely check both of them out because I think they need support, and I, I don't want this to be you know kind of like reggaeton, right? I want this to be kind of a lasting thing, not a flash in the plan in the pan. You know, I like I feel like. There's so much legacy with dance music. Um, you know, I don't want this to just be like the, the new thing that everybody jumps on because like that's what's getting the most streams. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that you can consistently do this. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely check both albums out. Um, and yeah, and props to both of them. And what else? I guess I'll do one more quick shout out. So speaking of the blog era, you, you kiddies out there don't don't understand the way it used to be. Back back in the wild, wild west of Williamsburg, where you would have these brands with, with way too much money throwing these parties like Scion and, you know, rest in peace and, you know, Sparks, rest in peace. <laughs> and, uh, you know, while arguably while there was a whole indie rock revolution, while hip hop was going through its forms and changes, you know, ASAP Rocky kind of showing up on the scene, and obviously that Dipset era in New York, there was also a weird—I won't say necessarily a return to dance music, but definitely a lot of different artists were kind of dabbling into it. You know, obviously you had the whole, you know, dance punk that a lot of the hipsters were doing, but also you had this weird strain of—I'll say, I'll say, let's just say, like, like, like cool lounge rap. You know, you had your, you know, your Spank Rock, you had your Amanda Blanks, you had this kind of almost like lifestyle music where I felt like people would kind of call them whack, but I think they didn't really get the point. The point was that they weren't really trying to be Nazis. They were just trying to do stupid fun shit. 
And uh, so there's a group, Coco and Claire Claire. They're basically based out of Atlanta. By their own admission, they kind of just started making beats and songs on GarageBand for Shits and Giggles. But uh, I'm actually a huge fan. Um, it's going to be hard for me to kind of describe it because, you know, I could tell you, oh, like, listen to it's really cool. You'd be like, yo, what the fuck is this shit, Ratch? Um, it's basically, you know, lo-fi raps, a lot of SoundCloud leaning, a lot of very simple metal melodies, um, intentionally lo-fi. But what I kind of love about them is the fact of where it's almost like if Mean Girls, the movie, could kind of rap, if that makes any word sense, or like <laughs> Clueless. Like it, it knows, they know what they're doing. Like like they're talking about how the, how the chick's in the bar. They're talking about how the bouncer lets, lets them in. They talk about how, you know, the girl's boyfriend is checking me out. There's this kind of whole world they kind of built for themselves, kind of, which is like fun. And I think is the idea of where, you know, like again, like I mentioned before, the world's in kind of a shitty place right about now. Doldrums, you could go out and kind of, you know, by even going to the club, you could kind of get a life-threatening disease. So these are relatively dark times. And I think what kind of attracts me to them is the fact of where they just don't really give fucks. And they kind of harken back to, and like, I guess I can't even say harken back to an era, but they harken back to a lifestyle that still happens where, you know, you're, you're, you're in your 20s, you know, you got that first little job, you know, you're not in your parents, but maybe you've got like three or four roommates, and you're trying to find a cool party, go out there, get a little fucked up, maybe like meet somebody who's cool. And, and, I, and I love that kind of about them and that vibe. And how effortless it is, and it's like I just imagine right now this this thing guy I'm probably getting played in every fucking shitty lounge, in every relatively hipster neighborhood like across the U.S. And I and I kind of like that as a world they kind of built in, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of like when Awful Records and like Father was doing more of that little artsy hipster stuff, kind of similar. But like I said, it's it's just kind of fascinating because their shit is just so narrow as far as like this Mean Girls era where you figure like, you know, for young girls and, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's not necessarily PC, but it's cool just hearing about like, you know, go to, you know, hook up at the front door, get in, free drinks, do smoke some weed and sleep with a strange guy type music, guy or girl, actually. And I kind of like that about them. So, you know, shouts to, I mean, the record itself is called Sexy. And they look, and you see them on the cover trying to look cool. And they are cool, but you can see how, like, there's a certain tongue in cheekness. And, and they admitted themselves where just kind of having fun with the genre. So I kind of love that kind of idea where, even though you can make the argument, and it's no diss, that where, you know, they aren't Radiohead. It's kind of cool listening to stuff where, they know it's fun. It's just pure fun. And, and actually, you know, it kind of probably circles back to the Nas kind of discussion earlier today. It's cool hearing people having fun making music as opposed to like, I've got to get these demons out or yeah. it's a tour obligation or, you know, it, it feels like now we've been listening to a lot of and discussing a lot of like negative news, you know, you know, this touring sucks, you know, streaming sucks, you know, a lot of artists are dying and yeah. all this other stuff. And it's, and it's kind of cool just listening to it. It's like, yeah, you know, we were bored. We made some beats on, you know, whatever. And then we just do like a sing, soft, like, you know, singing slash soft rap slash, you know, effortless shit about being bad bitches at a fucking Williamsburg bar. And it kind of flows. So, you know, I love that about them. I love the record. You know, I'm not going to be like, it's going to change your mind. But definitely you're going to be hearing it in the background of various places just because that little lifestyle, cool hipster girl shit they do is really, really well aimed and really well executed, even though it may not be everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, I, and I haven't listened to the album. I think I listened to one song, and I thought this was like really interesting because 
It's like a throwback almost to like the 2008 era. Yeah. Which is a little scary for me because like like that means that the 2008 era is throwback worthy. <laughs> <laughs> womp, womp, womp. And I'm like, man, I was like, like I was a full adult then. <laughs> but you know, like, like, you know, that era had like, you know, kid sister, Uffy, like, you know, yeah, you said yes. Amanda Blank, like, you know. There was like this this really cool kind of like blase hipsterdom, you know that like I think really in, in, embody that era, and it's really kind of interesting to kind of and like I said I only heard one song but it's like they kind of had that 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 energy that same energy which which I thought was like really interesting, just because uh, you're right like like I I feel like rap is in such a very weird place right now and deservedly so i mean rappers are dying you know like even like tierra whack got arrested at philadelphia airport for like a gun in her bag we forgot in the bag tierra whack craziness but she's from north philly you know and like people know that she got some bread so you gotta protect yourself like like even like weird at like quote unquote weird rappers have to pack right you know that's kind of where we at so you know, I I I will we'll definitely hear more, and I definitely want to embrace like you know, uh, you know more acts like this, um, and, and even if it's like subversive, I think we need a little bit of subversion in our lives, you know, like why not? And look, I I, I think the the 08 to, to 2013 era was like one of my like the best in music. So anything that's kind of a throwback to that era, even if it's not intentional, I'm here for. So I would definitely check them out. You know, it's like I said, it's a fun record, and I, and like it's weird. We listen to a lot of great. We we review a lot of great records. We discuss a lot of great musical achievements and X Y Z. This is again, it's it's just some fun shit, and it's just like I think that you know, even kind of going back to the idea of Beyonce. We I love Beyonce's record as you know the production, the songwriting, the beats, the melodic ideas. But I also like it because it's fun as shit, and, and I think we kind of need more just records in general. I I think that you know. The, the doom and gloom, you know, again, Kendrick's latest record is, is a testimony to songwriting and concept, but sometimes you want to hear some light, silly shit. And, you know, it's yeah. it's cool that records are kind of slowly, you know, going going back to the idea of the house records and everything else. Sometimes you just want to have like, you know, just, just party and chill, bro. And that's, that's it. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick shout out for me. This is not a new record, but... Uh... <laughs> I started listening to uh, Stevie Wonder's 1985 record in Square Circle. What? When Stevie, Stevie. when Stevie went electric, and there's what? like synths, and like you know all of like the, the new wave synths, and it's like somehow Stevie Wonder pulled it off. Um, you know, Part Time Lover was like the single, which is like you know kind of traditional Stevie, but when you get to like whereabouts, when you get to like you know Never in Your Son and Land of Lala, it's like oh they're like. Like Stevie is like, oh shit, like, like censor the thing, right? Like new wave is the thing. I want to make a new wave album, and I'm not mad at it. So shout out to Stevie Wonder. <laughs> no, I I love the story of Stevie. Apparently, is that, and we all know from the from the late '70s stuff, he was literally all in and all the production, all the new fucking synthesizer shit. So apparently, it would be him and Herbie Hancock. On some like hanging outside of like the Moog factory and shit. On some like yo, what's the new? like the Jordans and shit. <laughs> like like trying to get it before the other one did. 
And it'd be all some like, yo, 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 Stevie, I'm here in the studio with like, you know, the new Moog, look at it. And then playing little keys, be like, ah, bitch, and hang up on him and shit. So I, I love that idea of where, you know, it's, it's kind of fascinating too in general because, you know, at times there's this, I'll say raucous idea, which is generally used as a negative term where it's like, you know, you got, everything's got to be pure. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a term, of, you know, very Rolling Stone, where it's like guitars and drums and bass and singer and no technology and everything old school. And what's kind of fascinating about somebody like Stevie is Stevie was somebody who's just one of the purest musicians ever, one of the greatest musicians ever. You know, somebody who was doing Motown soul shit. Yeah. And the second that new shit dropped, he was like, yo, this is this is even better. So it's kind of, I love that about Stevie where on the low, 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 we love him as for songwriting, but as somebody who's pushed like the idea of technology forward, he's there, Radiohead's there, Trent Reznor's there, you know what I'm saying? Bob Mould's there. Like he's definitely an innovator on a high, high level. So props to him. And I, I feel like he had a talking book, I think, was a anniversary recently too. Probably. Let's see. I feel like, I feel like that had an anniversary. Does we're gonna be? Yeah, you ready, guys? Guess how many years was talking books? Uh oh. It's ready to fill. Fifty, Uh-oh. baby. Oof. Fifty. Oof. That was about a, a a month ago. So you know, shouts to Stevie. Stevie's still out here in these streets. I'm, apparently, although I remember him saying he was leaving America because fuck this shit. So so innovative with that too. <laughs> He can't, even, he can't even see the shit. And he's like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> so, yeah, shout to Stevie. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, it's it, it, like, I don't know. I, I, I've been revisiting the 80s era of like her, like him, uh, Tina Turner, Aretha Franklin, like James Brown. They all were like, oh shit, like the culture changed drastically. I got to re, like, reinvent myself. And they did it. Especially Tina Turner. So, you know, all you like musicians out there, like listen to those those albums because like I think music is all about reinvention. And, you know, you always have to be like, Oh shit, it's sense now? We doing Devo shit? Okay, cool. I'm gonna make <laughs> I'm gonna make it hot. <laughs> Hold up the Devo boys. How how do I work this? Aretha's there, like how? <laughs> I heard that neutral dance stuff they were doing, the sisters, the pointers. How do I, how do I get this flavor here? <laughs> and on that note, we love y'all. It is now Christmas and New Year's. And what does that mean? It means it's holiday season, like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. But most importantly, that's right. It's time for the best of, the end of lists, Ooh. the Registone Awards, the top tens. We sit down there and lay down the law on the dope shit that happened this year, the bad shit that happened this year, and stuff you might have missed. So uh, check in for the next couple of weeks. We'll be running the end of 2022 and praying to whatever deity is listening in the sky for a better 2023. Please. Dear God, please. Baby Jesus in the sky. White Jesus, black Jesus, please save us. Look, po- polio's coming back, so I, I don't polio's even coming back. Come you on, bro. At least I, fit. make these end times quicker, man. <laughs> Fast forward this shit. This is killing me. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <sighs> 
But as usual, we love y'all. Stay safe. Stay woke. Don't let the white people take that shit away from us, man. Stay fucking woke. And uh, we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace. Peace.